Hello, it's Wednesday, September 12th, 2007, and you're listening to Flipped Out. Flipped Out is a podcast about the art, the culture, and the madness of Austin, Texas, and its burn community. I'm your host, Lance Hunter. Let's begin. As we enter mid-September here in Texas, the burn season is starting to draw to a close. The big burn has happened, and those who still have the energy are gearing up for Mischievia, which will occur from October 4th through the 8th, and for more information on that you can go to ntxb.com. Now during this period of downtime, I decided that it would be interesting to spend some time focusing on arts beyond our own community to look at Austin from a different perspective and to see how our art and energy can start to influence what some might call the default world. Now, when I conceived of this idea, I realized there was only one place to start. Merrilee. A burner for seven years, Merrilee has played a vital role in past DAF projects and has been a stalwart member of the Get Lost camp at Burning Man and Flipside. Beyond the burn, she currently works as an assistant to the city manager here in Austin. Her position provides her ample opportunity to let us know about the many opportunities for art and community involvement around the city. I sat down with Marilee after unloading the Austin community truck to talk about how we Austin burners can take what we do beyond the cow field. So what are we talking about? Uh, okay, so first, uh, can you say who you are? Um, uh, my name is Marilee. Who else am I? I don't know. I guess I've been uh, going to Flipside for six or seven years, six years now. Um, what else? Okay, now, um, I guess the focus we're going for, what I'm trying to ask is, I'm going to say this just bluntly, because this might be the title anyways, and you know, if it offends people, tough, but breaking out of the burner ghetto. <laughs> It's funny that you, you classify it as a, as a ghetto. Why? Well, ghetto in the academic sense of like, you know, when research becomes ghettoized, it, it focuses on a certain thing and it all just kind of serves itself and doesn't really go into other fields. Ah, okay. So, 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 so sort of branching out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, into the mainstream or, or out of its niche, I guess. Yeah, doing art for non-burners. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, there's doing art, and there's a lot of things that Flipside is, or that being a burner is to a lot of people. It's more than a lot more about art, too. But, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Cool. But, uh, and, and also, could you describe, uh, yeah, so you've been to Flipside for six, seven years now. Uh, how long have you been going to the Big Burn? The same amount of years. Yeah. I haven't, haven't missed any of those either. And uh, I guess I've hit the Colorado Regional Burn, and then... Mischievia has been great fun, and that probably wraps up my formal burner experience. Excellent. So, wait, did you, which did you hit first, Flipside or Burning Man? Flipside. Okay. Flipside, I went to and had uh, had no intention of going to that big burn, but uh, Flipside actually uh, impacted me to the extent that I thought, all right, I got to figure, see what this is about, you know. So I went, and I've been going ever since. Cool. Uh, so, and now, uh, what do you do in the uh, I hate this phrase, but let's say a default world. The default world. I like that that other part. Uh, I'm an executive assistant in the city manager's office. Uh, so I work for the city, and a lot of people aren't familiar with the, uh, the city manager form of government, but, but there's a city council, and then there's sort of a CEO of the city, uh, a top executive, and that's my boss. And I try and keep up with her and um, do her good work, as I call it. Uh, before that, I worked for the city building libraries for about eight years, and I had great fun with that, too. But that's where I'm at now. 
Cool. All right. So uh, I guess you seem to be one of the people who was always pushing and you know making the effort to like, hey guys, let's do something bigger. Uh, yeah, um, out of the cow field, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I went to my first flip side, and I'll never forget it. The the very last day, right before I left, I was. Uh, you know, I don't think I'd slept at all that, that four or five days, and um, I was still just bouncing off the wall, and I, I kind of looked Brett Summers in the eye, and I said, you know, it can, it can be like this always. It doesn't have to just be here. Why, isn't, uh, why aren't we this engaged with each other and this creative and this energetic back in the default world? And... Um, it's something that hit me really hard, really early, and something that I've tried to um, I, I've tried to, to hold on to uh, a continuum of endeavor and experience, and and not have a, a separation there. So yeah, yeah, I do push that. You're right. And uh, I guess uh, to to the individual who feels like you felt after that first flip side, or you know after the first big burn event, and they're like, yeah, I mean, we could do this. What all is, the time. Yeah, yeah what, what, is what is this and how do we do it? Good question. Well, you know, everybody everybody sort of goes to Flipside for their own reasons or Burning Man or whatever your little niche is. If it's ACL or whatever it is, it's it's an opportunity, I think, at, at its root to be very present in the moment with whatever you're doing. If, if you go to Flipside to have a party, man, it's the best party. You are raging, you know. It's... It's the ultimate party experience because you're just very present in it. And, and if you go there to experience the, the community of it and you're, you're part of a theme camp and your group of friends and you, you live a little closer together and you share resources, then you're, you're really very engaged in doing that. And if you build a big art piece, then you pour yourself into that. You know, it's, it's sort of balls to the wall at, at Burning Man or Flipside. And, and, uh, and that's the way... We should live our lives. I think you know it doesn't stop there or start there. It's, it's uh, sort of the you know there's no reason it has to be a weekend or you, nobody needs to be a weekend warrior. You can do the same thing every day and uh, and facilitate the same kinds of engaged experiences and what you do back in the default world. So it, it's just about yeah whatever you do about being present and with yeah, gusto with gusto living. Living with Verve. Yeah, Pat, uh, Pat uh, caught my attention once when he said that, he, you know, he'd been, he's been on the LLC for so long and he's poured so much of himself into to help making this experience possible for so many people. And he said, he said that he continued to do it because it was a way to help people find themselves. That every year when he goes back, there's always, always at least one person and usually many more who sort of snap out of this this shell and they they wake up to to more of who they are or who they can be and that that's really stuck with me because it's it's kind of what happened to me at Flipside. is i it's a shock to your systems that's so powerful that you don't you don't often get in a in normal default world but i you know i've, I've grokked on that and thought about it for a couple years and i would i think that the next step is is not just remembering who you are. Who you, it's it's more about taking that feeling and, and making it who you are and can be, 365 days of the year. You know, it, it sort of fascinates me that we put this much, we put so much energy into planning these five days of the year. And I mean, it's exhaustive. It's a year-round process of creating a place, but but the place is irrelevant. 
what we're, what we're really putting all the energy into is creating the feeling of being engaged and present and balls to the wall and, you know, pushing ourselves. And we can do that anywhere. You know, we, we all know each other. We've all got a community. Our, our homes can be theme camps. It, you know, <laughs> there's really no reason why the same kind of thing can't exist all the time. It's tougher because, you know, physically we're not closer to each other. But, um, but it's absolutely doable, and lots of people do do it. Um, you know, the, the kids at the forest, the enchanted forest, are, are gypsy artisans that sort of live that dream, and you don't got to quit your job and everything. I'm not, you know, supporting that, but uh, but I'm rambling a bit now. Sorry. That's okay. okay. Uh, so, and I guess maybe the fourth time to this, because uh, could you give, like, a good example, you know, something you've seen, you know, concrete, of people who've been able to take the burn experience and transform it into their, you know, 365-day life. Hmm. Well, I mean, sure. And, and you know, this community does a lot of that in, in certain ways. Um, uh, the bridge parties, I think, are, are a fabulous example of, of the same kind of energy and creativity we bring some, to something that we can translate to, uh, you know, the Congress Avenue Bridge when that happens. Those are... I, whenever I go to those, I'm always sort of taken back to Flipside. It's the same kind of vibe. And, and, and just to clarify, the bridge parties are the temporary parties that are set up with little notice. Yeah, little, little notice and, and little infrastructure. It's a DJ and some dancing, and they, they sort of disperse. The Santa, the SantaCons are, I think, some of our best outreach that, that we do. Um, Art Outside is an incredible opportunity, and I am fascinated that it hasn't gained more momentum we spend so much time talking about worrying or, or fretting over which people get to come to this experience, but Art Outside to me typifies the way that we bring the experience to them, and and I, I would love to see that gain some more traction. But, nope, lost my thought again. Help me out, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and actually, I'm going to tie this into the, if you want to know more art, about Art Outside, I believe episode 7 was when I talked to Tyler about that. That's so impressive. Yes. Um, I could always look it up on live on YouTube. I'll be all editing it. In episode eight. <laughs> but, um, and actually, this is something that's been, you know, discussed recently on the list. I don't know, uh, you know, much background, but there seem to be a lot of, like, worries for, not necessarily flip side, but for orphaner deconversions or smaller events. People are starting to wonder about having sponsorships or having, you know, greeters there to make sure that everyone is properly indoctrinated and you know initiated before they uh, become part of the event uh, how do you feel about that well it, again you know it's um, it's not the for me it's not the the place the physical geography of the thing that's special it's what we do when we get there and I guess my my counterpoint is that we can we can do that anywhere we don't we don't have to go to rec plan or we don't have to have a special weekend we can we can be that engaged with each other and what we're doing every day, all the time. It's part of why that list is so frustrating because it's the same kind of contact with everyone, but it's not face-to-face, and so it's it's, enga- it's a false engagement, but that's a whole other topic. Is engagement purely of text and words? Yeah, and and not uh, what really makes it special, which is the, the presence. Okay, and, and but specifically, as wrapping you down here, how do yeah. you feel about the idea of like, you know, some new individual to go to a, you know, some event that's being held would have to be vetted in some way or you know be initiated. Hmm. Um, 
you know, because the talk that's been going around about that recently. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, it just, it's sort of irrelevant to me. We've missed the point if we're just worrying about who gets to come to the party. It's, the party is something that we should be taken to the people. And that's, that's really my, you know, if, if we're spending all our energy on who gets to come, then it's no longer the organic, engaged event that, that you know, it's, it's time, to, time to find another creek to move up to. Um, and that's okay. I, I, ten years for, for one thing is quite a long time um, without it becoming something else. And, you know, things, things evolve and things grow and more people find out about them. Um, and I, I worry that we're trying too desperately to cling to what was instead of inventing new things. Okay. That, you know, um, I don't mean not to answer your question. Yeah, it, yeah. It just... It's time, to, it's time to create a new party when all we're doing is trying to make rules for the existent party. Yeah, I, you know, it's, I don't know. Uh, I see what you're saying there, yeah. Um, I'll let that settle for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, uh, and the next question is, and this is something that people have been asking me when they find out somebody doing this interview, like, what would you recommend a good way for you know the artist who does their pieces at burn events and everything, but doesn't really have any contact with, you know, doing art beyond that. Uh, how would you recommend that they progress, or you know, what actions they can take to yeah to start to be able to do the art, you know, for in other contexts. Sure, sure. You know, I. Uh it's fascinating to me. We seem to be under this impression as a culture that we've got to ask permission. And I've, I've always operated under the premise that it's easier to apologize later than ask permission first. I've been I'm always interested when I drive around Austin and somebody's made something and just stuck it somewhere. You know, and maybe it lasts a few days, maybe it lasts a few months, some things get adopted, but there's no reason we can't employ the same kind of gorilla, gorilla things for our art, you know? And, and there's also no reason to believe that other larger groups or organizations aren't interested in what you can contribute you know if you you want to put something in a park man call the parks department call the library department talk to you get involved in your neighborhood association and it's really just about becoming engaged with everything that's around you in your environment people are open to it you know we've just sort of we get so shut off we think that there are rules and it's harder but it, it's not that it's only as hard as we make it. And I believe the opportunities are there. We just have to take them, you know, or we have to create them. Uh, there's all sorts of organizations. Austin Green Art is, uh, is very amenable. Blue Genie does great stuff. Um, there's, just start searching on the internet, you know. Um, more nonprofits than you can shake a stick at in this town. Okay. Um, the city is very amenable, you know. In my years at the library, we did all sorts of stuff, hanging hanging art in libraries in more traditional forms and, and putting art at the, uh, at the site. Um, as artists and, and as, a, as people who are outside the mainstream, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that what you have won't be appreciated. But, but none of us are that different than anyone else. Everyone People appreciate art and culture and creative experience and expression. And what you have 
is actually of, of far greater value. And what you can contribute is of greater value than I think you give yourself credit for, if that's the mindset. Okay. You just, I, I would encourage someone who thinks that they can't do something with art outside of Flipside to just sort of turn it around. And uh, we've seen a lot of people do that, you know? Star, his, uh, Star and Dan and all those folks have realized that what they contribute is of great value. And, yeah. and so they just, they own it. And then what they have to give is a gift. And it's, you don't have to ask somebody if they'll take your gift. Just give it, you know? It's, it's a gift economy outside in the default world, too. Okay. So it's it's a slight perspective shift, but don't ask, just give it. You know, I, that sounds like such a hippie thing to say, but I, I see that though. I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know. You know, I, I have an, a unique perspective working in government, and um, and I, I so I work with a lot of neighborhood associations, and I, I see a lot of potential, and I see a lot of opportunity, but but we're all sort of programmed to think that that there are barriers to make things happen that I don't think exist. Okay. And I think it takes a sort of proactive approach to sort of just just do it, you know? Just walk in with a smile and, and don't ask, but say what you have to offer. Does that, does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, that's It's a slight little twist. Uh-huh. Great. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's something we have to let settle in for a little bit, too. <laughs> Okay, and so now, um, I guess just to compare and contrast, and you know, maybe this is, I don't want to invalidate what you said this last thing because that makes a lot of sense, but how would you compare, like, just the art process at, you know, Flipside or Burning Man or, or something's created there versus art process outside of that? Hmm. I mean, I guess um, some are more formal. Uh, I was able to, to work on a project with the Austin Green Art people, and um, you know, you submitted a thing, but it, it's not much more than a submission and, and given what you had to offer. I, I was able to do a first night project too, and um, you know, even first night, the thing that's always struck me as interesting about that is everyone goes through the application process, and, and applications are kind of hard because it's a form of judgment, and that can yeah. be very intimidating. But I think uh, what people also don't realize about that is that, man, it's a parade. It's an open city place. You can just show up and do something. It's one of those, you don't have to ask permission. You just show up with something to offer. Okay. You know, I mean, if you're not asking for funding, if you don't want money from anybody, then you're certainly entitled to do just as big and flamboyant and, you know, as, it's like SantaCon is sort of a, a glorified pub crawl, but it's also this incredible expression of mirth and happy Santa thing, you know, oh, yeah. so, and we don't ask anyone, we just go do it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know that I got to the root of your question I there. I think that kind of, it, it, it helped tie the previous question into that question. Okay, that really well. okay good. I don't get to talk about this much, Lance. You may, I'm, I'm rambling a lot. Here. That's good. Rambling makes for content. Okay. <laughs> content is the lifeblood. Yeah. The force from which I, you know. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, so how about this? What has been some of your favorite art around uh, the city in the past, Ooh. say, year? My favorite art around the city in the past year? Well, you know, I really like that... Uh, that gorilla stuff that I just find. Um, 
I hate to talk about the wheat paste stuff. I think that's what it is, the glue stuff that they oh, put on yeah. things. I'm not sure that's, quote, legal. But, uh, but I've noticed that there are a lot of sort of plywood cutouts of figures and things that are painted that people put to telephone poles, and I'm fascinated by those. There's actually a woman, um, Jean Graham, who's making this incredible mural at her neighborhood grocery store in, uh, in Crestview, I think. And it's, uh, it's a labor of love. It's just what she goes out and what she does. And that's sort of, you know, I'm not sure she's, I don't think she's getting any funding for that. It's just the pieces I really appreciate are, are even in people's yards, you know, where they've just obviously gone out and, and put themselves into something. Um, I love those things. There are, there are some remarkable pieces that the Art and Public Places Department does. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, I mean, Austin is actually really, really art heavy. Every, uh, every city building project donates two, or set aside, sets aside 2% of its budget for a particular mm-hmm. art piece. So every fire station, every library. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always incredible pieces. I'm always impressed by those. Our city hall actually has a, a remarkably democratic art process. Uh, every every year they bring in um, new pieces into the building that are up for a year that the citizens can go into city hall and you can vote for your favorite piece. And then at the end of the year, uh, the favorite piece is bought and it stays in City Hall ad ad infinitum. There have been two winning pieces so far, and next year there'll be a third. And so every year we'll develop this permanent collection of art that belongs to the citizens. And I'm really, I'm I'm impressed and proud of that, that we've, you know, city government has a a pretty remarkable contribution to art and recognizes it. I mean, the Art and Public Places group is in the economic development area of the city. That's how it's structured. And that speaks volumes to me, that the city recognizes that art, not just live music, but is a part of economic development. And, and that ties back into, you know, as an artist, if you have something to contribute, it is a contribution. You're not, you know, you don't have to ask for, uh, you got me rambling again. Right? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that's what we forget, you know, especially people that are new artists that are just discovering that, that we are all artists, that... You know, the, the skills may not be there, but the passion is. That's when it's most important to offer up what you have instead of ask if what you have will be accepted. Um, back to my little perception shift, I guess. Right, yeah. Starting to sound like a broken record. No, that's excellent. You're tying in themes. Oh, you know, okay, is, okay. This could be considered like good lecture material because it all ties back into itself. Um, right, and actually, you did bring up something there with live music. and. Austin is big on the live music and even performance. Um, sure. And how do you think that? Uh, you think that can sometimes overshadow other art forms in Austin, or do you think that that helps contribute? Uh, or both? Yeah, you know, sure. No, I mean, I think it can all tie into each other and uh, and build upon itself. Um, I I think it's a. Uh, you know, we're so used to seeing art as a static medium on a wall. The idea that art can be interactive is very sort of new and revolutionary, in my opinion. And so maybe there, there really aren't rules, and we're in sort of a groping in the dark um, part of the development of this thing. But, but that's awesome. There are no rules. We're, you know, we're in a groping in the dark thing. This is a perfect time to like make up your own rules. And uh, I just, I think, 
if you have something to contribute, there's someone, or there, there are probably many someones who are going to appreciate it. And <sighs> I'm breathing heavy. Um, I don't know. You know, there's a little boutique where I, uh, down on the Second Street Retail District, and it's a very frou-frou shop that uh, has lots of expensive things. But at the very back of it, um, and I try and go there once every couple weeks, at the very back of this frou-frou shop is this cigarette machine. And uh, you put in a couple dollars, I think. It's not more than two bucks. And you pull the lever, and out pops a cigarette-shaped box. And someone has, has created art all over it and inside <laughs> of it. And there's some little object to art. It might even be five bucks. But they are the most incredible treasures to me because each one is, you know, handmade. This mm-hmm. this thing, and uh, that's you know that's a revolutionary idea. Re- mm-hmm. Reconditioning a cigarette machine to make these little things, you know, and it's it's absolutely valid as art, and it counts. And someone's found a way to to get out there and like you know yeah. and make their mark. And I think we just have to be that creative in how we think about how we infiltrate and change and grope in the dark together. Um, but I think there's lots of areas for art like that that, uh, and maybe it's not easy because the rules are changing, but fuck yeah, the rules are changing. <laughs> Fantastic. And okay, and so, you know, we've talked about moving from flip side, from the prom burn events to the greater art scene. How do you think that, from the greater art scene perspective, burn events have influenced things? All these people coming in because they've, you know, maybe discovered their artistic potential at a burn event, or, you know, realized that they could start doing crazy shit because of a burn event, and go out into the world. How do you think that's affected the world in general? Hmm. Well, you know, you change one person and you change the world. There is, uh, there's no doubt about that in my mind. And that's, that's why this is so powerful and why I'm so, uh, so passionate about it. Because we have this this wonderful crucible in Burning Man and Flipside, and people people can sort of realize, oh, hey, I, you know, I can be an artist or I can be a dancer, I can be whatever the fuck I want. Um, and how that how that changes the world is sort of my point. You know, it's up it's up to each person that's changed to figure out how they can change the world, and and that's either going to be a as much as I want or no, this is a thing I do once a year. And um, I, I think um, I would, I, maybe we're still finding out how it changes the world. Um, I read a great quote the other day, and I wish I could remember who it was by, but it, it was that if we want to change the world, we have all of the chaos in place that was originally in place, and we can do it whenever we want. You know, we have all the same materials, it's all still, so, you know, we can. I did a pretty crappy job framing that. <laughs> Edit that part out. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's uh, when I when I first started going to uh, to Burning Man and Flipside, I, I sort of had this feeling like I had to keep that part of my life separate or secret, or people wouldn't understand. Or I had to be discreet that I would, you know, for five or six days of the year go get crazy and make art and do ridiculous things and not sleep and all that. But but the longer I stick with it, the more I realize that it's just the opposite, you know. I found this great thing 
it's it's up to me to tell other people what a great thing it is and and people are so much more receptive you know and when I went to Flipside I was uh, finishing an engineering degree working for the library I was about the least likely candidate to go rage and you know um, be radical but people want to be engaged with other people it's mm. we find um, and this is a really good way to do it uh, it's a really meaningful passionate way and uh, <laughs> and dog and cat have a story in that dog, dog and cat um, how's it how's it changed the outside world man you know I don't I don't I'd be scared to scared to hazard a guess on how far we've come I just want us to go farther okay maybe that's <laughs> I'm impatient. Uh, out of the cow field. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we, we're in my house right now. And I, this wall right behind us is the next wall to come down because the room we're in is obviously, to me, such a good stage. And uh, I see that. You, you see how that works, yeah. right? The living room back there and the stage. And, yeah. And this two-thirds of my house, actually, I, I want to think of more as a theme camp you know it's we've got this great big house with this warehouse but if it's just me and Dave then it's not really a home you know part of what was meaningful for me about the or is about Burning Man and Flipside is that I you know you camp with 25 or 30 people and it's like a family reunion in a very real sense Uh, everybody eats together everybody talks about everything you catch up and it's it's something that I feel should and could be recreated every day as much as possible. And the theme camp structure, you know, people that have camped in a theme camp before, you'll, it's different than your house. It's, yeah. uh, you know, there's common space, there's a common kitchen, and, and there's people in and out, there's activity, there's energy. And it's always such a letdown to me to come back to like an empty house when it, you know, <laughs> I, I miss that flow of energy and that dynamic system. And so, there's, but there's no reason we can't create that. Jack and Sarah have a great house that I think of almost more as a theme camp. Every time I go over there, it's filled with like energy and love, and people are in the kitchen and moving, and so. Excellent. Yeah, I, I remember I think uh, June and Michael talking about making their house more theme campish, but I think that that was just their excuse to get us to do some of their furniture work. <laughs> yeah, that could be. <laughs> Can you name an individual piece, or perhaps experience? Let's make it ultra broad here. Okay. At a burn event that deeply affected you. I'm not going to ask for like the most because that would be kind of futile. But you know, just one that when you think of a piece that changed you or an experience that changed you, when you think of this. Um. Yeah, I have one that always comes to mind, and. Uh, um. It was that rocket. I almost hate that it's such a big, um, a big thing. I, I, I almost wish I had a smaller, smaller, more poignant thing to talk about. But that that rocket, we um, God, we worked so hard, and everything that could go wrong did go wrong. From trailer flat tires to rain to, to bloated wood dowels that wouldn't fit in. I mean, it was just such a battle all the way, and. Um, and I watched so many people just break themselves to try and get it up. And for about four hours, right before we burned it, it was up and complete. And it was that ephemeral. It was that short of a window that that the thing was complete. You know, we 
we'd had the inside was built out so people could go on the inside and um, it was heartbreaking that we had this beautiful thing that we couldn't that not everyone could experience but but at the same time it was um, it was up for such a short period of time it was really um, sort of ingrained in me that here was something I'd watched Dave and several other people's pour so much of themselves into and it was this beautiful figure that was then gone um, and it was and it was just gone and um, uh, that's always always hit me really hard um, the windows that were in that a lot of oh, so much time and work and, and, and love went into those and uh, you know Keith and Frank and, and there were a couple other people had never made any any sort of art or expression and they're you know, and, and, and Liam and, and Mel's pieces were so incredible, and it was just so temporary. And I think it sort of really captured um, the, the powerful elements of, of the, the Burning Man thing, is that you come and, and there's this incredible intensity and beauty, and, and then you just burn it all away, and it's gone, and it's... Uh, and what you're left with is how the experience affects you and how, what you hold on to of it and how it changes you and, um, and what you do with it in the default world, you know? And, um, and that's not about, I, I keep going back to it, it's just not about place, it's not about a single event, it's about, it's about how those singular experiences like that change you in a way that, um, that you can live out every day. Um, so it was the rocket for me. That's that's the one that got me. That's uh, you know, and I haven't really built anything of my own and burned it. I think that's next. <laughs> it's it's strange that uh, yeah, no, I'll just leave it there. Okay, so now, last question I need to know is, what does it take to become a rock star? <sighs> Dirty Snowflake, man. She nailed it for me. <laughs> uh, what does it take to... Well, you know, Megan's answer was you got to take yourself out and you gotta, you got to keep going. You know, you can't wait for anybody to call you up. And I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've really learned... Well, I'd, I'd, I'd personalize that for me to mean that the things that scare you, the things that make you uncomfortable, the things that intimidate you or that you want to avoid, no matter what that is, those are the things that you got to smile at and wave and invite in. And and it's it's not fearlessness, I would say. It's a recognition of fear as a teacher. That the things that... <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a teacher that's personalized for every one of us, which is what's so interesting about fear to me, is that we all fear different things, you know, whether you're socially uncomfortable or, or whether you're uh, afraid of uh, peer pressure. Or I, I keep talking about social fears because this is such a social group, but um, whatever your fears are, I think having the courage to look at those in the eye and smile and... And lean in. Leaning in makes you a rock star. Um, yeah, and uh, learning how to dance, that doesn't hurt either. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much.
thank you for listening to Flipped Out. Flipped Out is a podcast about the art, the culture, and the madness of Austin, Texas, and its burn community. Flipped Out is hosted at lancehunter.net slash flip, and that's flip with one P. To contact Flipped Out, please email flippedout at gmail.com, and that's Flipped Out with two Ps. Once again, thank you for listening. Now go be spectacular. Spectacular.